welcome to Sellersburg United Methodist Church podcast, where we bring our mission to make disciples of Jesus Christ for the transformation of the world to you, wherever you are. Lent has begun. Did you know that? Hopefully so. We, uh, we began on Wednesday, Ash Wednesday. So Lent, it's similar to Advent, not and just that they rhyme or that we have similar colors of the purple, but there's Christmas that we look forward to in Advent, so we kind of celebrate and anticipate while Christmas hasn't started yet. In the same way, we know Easter's coming, but we are not here to celebrate and talk about Easter. All right? We're going to spend 40 days in the wilderness following the lead of Jesus, and we're going to keep our eyes focused on where this journey takes us to the cross, to the cross. We're going to keep our eye fixed there. We're not going to get to Sunday. We're going to stay with Friday as we walk toward it, to take it all in. We're going to stop at the cross. We're going to think about it, the mystery that it offers us, the grace and the love that makes no sense. There is love and grace in the cross. There's the discipline and the willingness of Jesus to go there. And there is a purpose behind this journey, both his and ours, and it must be completed. It's important to go and see the death of sin and self on the cross. We're going to be learning to live inside out as well. We're going to focus on our hearts and all that it means, but also focus on how what we become in our hearts is lived in our world. Faith in action. This is not a private faith alone. This is a social faith. Are you ready? Maybe. A reluctant, well, you're going there anyway, so we might as well say yes. We began our worship today with joy, and now we've come to these serious passages. We're dealing with sin and temptation. Yay, we love talking about sin and temptation, don't we? We love to do it, we just don't want to talk about it. But what is sin? Let's start there. There's a hundred different ways I could explain it. But if we look in the word our gospel writer uses, talks about that if your right hand causes you to sin or your eye causes you to sin, the word is scandalizo. Can you say scandalizo? Ah, you Greek scholars, you. It means to cause to sin or to cause to fall. Literally, literally refers to a stumbling block. Some of you found those this morning before you hit the lights, you hit something and stumbled. Scandalizo. And then there's the word amartanoi or tano, tano, tarno. Amartano. Okay, now that I've said it a bunch of different ways, try to say it. Oh, you're much better than I am. This is to sin, to do wrong. It's usually an act contrary to the will and law of God. Now, notice that sin here is not necessarily a catastrophically horrific thing that you do. We talk about sin as missing the mark. Think of a bullseye, an arrow. It doesn't hit the bullseye. It hits just off center. That's missing the mark as much as missing the target altogether is off the mark. Mostly our sin that we deal with, it isn't some terrible, awful act. It's just something we know isn't the best choice. None of us of faith are, are tempted by something that is completely the opposite of what God wants. We're usually not tempted, but we are tempted for 90% of what God wants, maybe even 98% of what God wants. We may even find ourselves justifying our thinking, saying something like, well, what I'm doing is not as bad as what other people are doing, right? 
or it's not that far off from what I know God wants. It's close, close enough. Living a life where we pursue the will of God is a life that we spend falling short and falling down a lot. Amen? Can we just admit that? You know, there are a lot of people out there that think we are hypocrites, and maybe we are at times, but we don't mean to be. And I think it's good for us to say, we fall down and we fall short. Amen? We fall down a lot. We do. And just because it's an all-too-common thing doesn't mean it's okay. We shouldn't feel good about that. We shouldn't feel terrible about that as if we're worthless. God is not saying, you terrible people, how awful you are. And God's not saying, eh, that was close enough. God didn't say that to the couple in the garden. You go on in Genesis 3, read beyond our verses. Rather, God lays out the consequences of doing what you're not supposed to do. You do what you're not supposed to do, and it breaks the relationship between people. And it breaks the relationship between people and God, and it breaks the relationship between people and creation. And that's what God lays out. You can choose that, but there are consequences. But then there's grace in Genesis 3 too. You notice there, they realize that they're vulnerable and exposed. They realize they could harm each other. So they, they want to be protected and covered. So what does God do? God doesn't say, oh, that's ridiculous. Don't think that. No, God says, I'll make you coverings. I'll make you coverings. That's grace. Amen? God makes them what they think they need, knowing they don't need it. I think God's saying to us today, life could be so much better and fuller and more meaningful if you just chose to live as I call you to live. There's freedom available to you, and I want you to embrace and pursue that freedom. God is saying, I have a dream for you and for this world, and that dream involves you making my dream your dream. I want to help you be part of the renewal of all things, the bringing of the kingdom. Follow my son. Listen to his voice. Feel the guidance of the Holy Spirit. Let me show you what freedom and purpose in life truly are. I think that's what God's saying to us. But we struggle to stop being our own dictator, to stop being our own God. Well, I do. Maybe you do too. I want to feel the certainty to know that I know what I'm supposed to be doing and know what is right and know what is wrong and know what you're doing that's right and wrong and, and feel certain about that. Anybody with me? We understand the story of Genesis 2 and 3 and it would do us a greater good to stop investing money and energy and argument on if and when it actually happened and focus instead on the fact that it happens. It happens to every one of us. Temptation happens to us all, and we give in. We fall down. The man and the woman in the story, they already wanted to eat of the tree. You catch that in the scripture? They already wanted to eat of it. They just needed to be pushed, nudged. They wanted the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. I call it the tree of ofs, the tree of the knowledge of good and of evil, the fruit of the knowledge of good and evil, or the tree of ability to pass judgment ourselves, that we can decide. Every human being who has ever lived desires to be in control, desires that fruit. We want to, we want to have to say so. We want to be in charge of our own lives. My four-year-old wants this. 
We want to be grown up and make our own rules and do what we want to do and not do what we don't want to do. We all fall down. Let's move beyond the voices arguing about whether Genesis 2 or 3 happened and let's just focus on that it happens. And then there's Jesus. He receives the Spirit of God at baptism and the affirmation that he is God's Son, he's beloved, and he pleases God. And then he's led out into the wilderness. Led out. All the Gospels agree he was led out. Or Mark says driven out. Maybe kicking and screaming. I don't know. To think about this another way, I'm going to tell you the story of a younger man who was approached by his political party to run to find a seat in the House of Representatives. And he couldn't believe that he was approached. He couldn't believe it. Honored. Joyful even. And so he invested himself, and he spent the next several months on a grueling schedule of interviews and conventions and shaking hands and drinking lots of coffee and sleeping very little. But then he won. He was elected convincingly, and he couldn't believe it. The morning after the election, after he slept, he wanted to go on a hike, clear his head, absorb it. So he went on the hike. And his mind was racing about all the things he was excited about, all these ideals he had, all these things that he wanted to do to make his community a better place to work for the people. And now he got to do it. He was already thinking of the policies and the bills that he would be a part of. And then the other thoughts crept in. He had power now. He could influence. He could wield it over others. Power he's never had. He could go to corporations and groups, and they would pay him lots of money to use that power on their behalf. He had all sorts of opportunity to have influence and more wealth. I mean, the job itself was already more than he'd ever made, but there are just people waiting to write checks if he'll just say what they want. And he had opportunity. This could be the first step in an illustrious career. Maybe if he plays his cards right, if he keeps his head down, doesn't get too bold, Maybe he can be on a presidential administration one day. Maybe he'll be president. And then, as if snapping out of a daze, he thought, where did those voices come from? That's not why I got into this. He had a job to do, and people would ask him to do it. He would need to stay focused because it's so hard to not be distracted. Amen? Jesus is led out into the wilderness after receiving this power the presence of the Holy Spirit given to him, and he's the son of God. If he's the son of God, think of the possibilities. Those were the voices he was dealing with. There would be temptation at every turn. Being human means he's gonna desire things he shouldn't because that's what happens. He wants to be in charge too. Our greatest adversary is who? Ourselves. Ourselves. This passage, Jesus in the wilderness, it echoes Israel in the wilderness. Forty years becomes for Jesus 40 days. They were given power and a designation. They were going to be God's treasured people. They were going to be a kingdom of priests, a holy nation, through whom God would work to put things right. What all went wrong way back in Genesis 2 and 3. But they fell down a lot, didn't they? They fell down a lot. They fell down to a golden calf. They fell down to their hunger. They fell down to the opportunities before them. But Jesus doesn't. He doesn't fall down, does he? He does what 
Israel was always intended to do. As the Messiah, he is what always what Israel was always intended to be. He stays on the path. And you know where that path leads him? To a cross. Praise God that he stayed on the path. Staying true leads to that cross because when you inaugurate and announce a new kingdom, while other kingdoms exist and people of power, there will be violence. There were others that had power and influence and opportunity and the temptation was too great. They couldn't let go. They weren't interested in another kingdom. So they'll kill the one who comes. Jesus knows this and goes anyway. Actually, he went there not just in spite of the cross. He went there because of the cross. We'll unpack that another day. He embraced the will of God above all else, even his own will. All that to say, these 40 days of Lent that we have, you and I together, we have an opportunity to journey into the wilderness alongside Jesus. We have the chance to journey with him to the cross because there's a reason for us to go too. Important part of this journey is fasting. What your fast is, how you fast, that's up to you. And you may be thinking, oh, that's just a silly ritual. Or you may jokingly say, I'm fasting from fasting during Lent, Pastor. I hear that every now and again. But I wonder and I ask you, can you really face yourself? Can you really face temptation without allowing yourself to be tested? To fast from something is to say that I will maintain control of my choices and desires, and with God's help, I will be able to keep that and stay on the path. Telling yourself and your tempter, I'm not going to do this for these 40 days, oh, that just stokes the fire of temptation, doesn't it? Can you take the heat? Can you quench the burning desire to satisfy your wants? We know our story involves a great deal of falling down. We've all fallen quite a bit, but it also involves following the one who did not fall, and he invites us to follow him, and he empowers us so that we won't fall either. Will you accept the invitation in this unique season of Lent? I hope so. Will you allow the Holy Spirit to lead you into a time of fasting? I hope so, and a fast can be a number of different things. Maybe a daily food. Maybe just something you eat every day that you enjoy. Maybe Diet Pepsi. Or maybe it's giving up something like social media. I'm not going to get on social media. I'm going to free myself from it. I'm going to resist going to it and telling them everything I ate today because they all really care and are waiting on the edge of their seats to know. Or maybe it's not watching media that focuses on the wrong power and influence and opportunity. I'm not going to watch and listen to voices that are just putting other people down and focusing all their hatred on different things. I'm not going to watch shows that are filled with violence. I'm not going to watch shows that are distorting the idea of relationship and what it should be or sexuality and what it could be. Fasting can also be picking up a daily habit. Maybe you read 10 chapters of the Bible every single day and you won't miss any day. Or maybe you'll spend 10 minutes in silent prayer alone in the quiet. Or maybe you'll walk one mile in silence every day, not listening to anything, not talking to anybody. Just some ideas. Join in the journey of Lent. Follow our Savior and our very source of salvation to the cross itself. It will be hard. It will be worth it. You may stumble, and you will certainly wrestle with the voices of temptation. 
but the Holy Spirit and our head and our hearts and our eyes fixed on Jesus and our devotion to God's will will make it so we will not fall. Amen? So let's see where this season of Lent can be a part of our growth in faith. Let's see where the Holy Spirit might take us. Amen. We thank you for worshiping with us. And it is our hope that through the Holy Spirit, you have felt the touch of God upon your life. If you would like to know more about our church and its ministries, please visit our website at sellersburgumc.com.